Just in time for the preseason of high school basketball, my guest today is the DOD, the Director of Officiating Development in the state of Ohio, Dr. Denny Morris. Now, Denny was my first guest on the podcast, but this time, the questions are all about the upcoming season. We dive into the National Federation, uh, their points of emphasis this year. We have a brief shot clock discussion. Uh, we talk about how officials can show improvement throughout the season. There's just plenty of, of great information here, not only for Ohio officials, but for officials that are throughout the United States as well. So tune in and check it out. Also, do you know official Matt Kearns by chance? He's the owner of PQ2 LLC, and that is our major sponsor of this podcast. You can learn more about PQ2 LLC at pq-2.com. And uh, I'm sure you'll learn a lot of great information about Matt's company as well. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to this podcast because once you do that, you'll receive notification on your phone and you can receive an update on your device whenever a new episode appears. And also, if you could, please rate and review this podcast so I know how we are doing. And if you uh, want to offer uh, a comment as well, you can email me at Mark Fralick, M-A-R-K-F-R-O-E-L-I-C-H at hotmail.com. And I believe if you go on to the anchor.fm site where my podcast is located as well, uh, it's anchor.fm backslash Mark dash Fralick. Uh, you can also send a message through there as well. There's a, a button that says message on it. And finally, if you would like to support this podcast financially, you can go to that same site, anchor.fm backslash Mark dash Fralick and click on the support button. From there, you can select any of the monthly options, and I appreciate any support you can provide. Episode 35 is just seconds away. Enjoy. Well, here we are in the midst of football season, but more importantly, in my eyes anyways, there's just under a month to go before the high school basketball season begins. So what better way to prepare for the season than to bring in the Director of Officiating Development in the state of Ohio, Dr. Denny Morris. So returning for the second time, and I know everybody's excited about that. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Denny, for being a part of helping officials, not just in Ohio, but really throughout the United States, by imparting your wisdom, because really because you're the one that's looking at all the officials from the outside. So uh, and, and can give us some idea of what you see and, and what, and what you see as positives and what you see as negatives. So thanks for being on the show again. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me back on and hopefully, uh, your ratings won't plummet too badly. <laughs> well, hopefully Nielsen doesn't care. So, uh, but before we get to our pregame section, let's hear from Matt Kearns, who wants to tell us a little bit about our primary sponsor, PQ2 LLC. Hey Ref, if your day job requires engineering thermoplastics, connect with PQ2 LLC and have a thorough, candid, and honest pregame discussion about your next injection molding, extrusion, or blow molded project. Make the right call to PQ2 LLC. That's www.pq-2.com. So in the pregame section, uh, Denny, we want to talk a little bit about a season review from last year. Uh, talk a little bit about how the season went from your position and um, also from your time out on the floor and maybe any uh, funny, maybe not so funny episodes that happened throughout the year that you can recall. Well, obviously last year was a, a season like no other, and hopefully uh, we won't have to endure that again, but um just required a tremendous amount of flexibility and changes in schedules and all kinds of things working through the COVID virus. And so, you know, I don't know that there was a whole lot that was funny, but I'm certainly grateful that we were able to conduct the season and basically from start to finish, although obviously there were games that had to be canceled and postponed and, and the sort, and then we were able to conduct the tournament all the way through and able to hold the state championships 
Uh, it was almost till the last week or two before we knew for sure where they were going to be held at and when they would be and how they would be conducted because uh, not only did we have to find a site, we had to deal with the local health uh, authorities uh, in being able to have at least the parents and a small number of fans attend. So uh, in that regard, uh, we were very grateful that we were able to do that. And then uh, certainly from the officiating side, uh, kudos to all the officials who uh, worked with us and, and followed the guidelines and had to endure some difficult things, mainly, you know, dressing at home and leaving right away and going back home and maintaining, you know, social distancing and the masking and the various things that we had to do, uh, but we were able to put on a season. So we're grateful for that. Yeah. And you talk about tournament time and uh, for the boys and the girls, and that, and that was at uh, the University of Dayton. And uh, yeah, you're, you're right. We're real grateful that they were able to host. And But let's start by talking about the officiating in the final fours uh, for both the boys and the girls. And, and let's start first with some of the positive. What were some of the good things that you saw from the officials at the final four? Well, I think, uh, again, uh, the everyone's willingness to really adapt to how we had to change some things. Uh, and you mentioned University of Dayton. They were great hosts. Uh, they had anticipated hosting the girls' tournament, but the boys uh, was kind of dropped in their lap at the last minute, and they, they were willing to, to host that. And from the officiating standpoint, overall, I think it was very well done. Uh, you know, the people, that hopefully, if we do our job and we select the people uh, that uh, should be there, uh, we are able to, to bring in some very uh, competent officials. On the girls' side, uh, exactly half. So out of 36, uh, 18 of our officials, it was their first time doing a state tournament game. So that really uh, pleases me that uh, we are able to uh, identify quality officials and give them opportunities uh, and spread it around. On the boys' side, I think it was something like 12, which would be about a third um, of our officials. It was the first time for them. And really, uh, all the games went very smoothly, and I was uh, particularly impressed. Uh, we had a uh, the girls' Division One final that went double overtime, and it ended up being a two-point game. And that crew, uh, Jason Edler and Anson Smith and Max Baldwin, uh, did a, a fabulous job uh, there. And but really, all the games were well officiated by and large. Uh, no no major issues or concerns. And, you know, it's a, it, it was a strange atmosphere, and there were no fans there, or very few. Uh, we had television, but you know, only two cameras. That was pretty limited and, and the way we had to do things with them. So um, I certainly in no position to, you know, really complain about anything. I was very happy how the, our final four went for Good. both boys. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. Um, but as you look at the state tournament, and maybe this can help the officials into this season, what kind of things did you see at the state tournament, maybe on a consistent basis, that officials need to work on uh, on becoming better at for this season? Well, the things I like to see and what I look for, and even when we make the assignments, uh, number one, I want people to show up that are in good condition, that they look athletic and they look like they be, belong out on the floor. Uh, the second thing that I want to see is the proper mechanics and good signals. And uh, that uh, I know we have people that work multiple uh, levels and different varieties of basketball, be it uh, NCAA women's, men's, whether it's D3 or D2. And then uh, we really pick up a lot of bad habits, it seems, from summer league basketball. But uh, mechanics are important. I want them to be uh, the federation mechanics, the mechanics that we use here in Ohio, as well with the, the correct signals. And then finally, uh, uh, I think they have to be able to really just have a good demeanor out there, uh, be able to communicate, manage the moments that uh, become you know critical, and and work through that. You know, judgment's important, uh, but generally, if you can manage those first three things. Uh, those people typically have very good judgment and they're in good position to use that judgment. And so we don't have, you know, too many really blown calls. Uh, and 
those would be the things that I would look for, and that's what I would strive to do if I was in the off season here uh, and getting ready. Well, that puts to the end to our pregame. Let's go to our first quarter. And in the first quarter, we're going to talk about what's going to happen this year, maybe. We hope anyways. But first, let's hear a little bit about PQ2 LLC. Hey, ref. This is Matt Kearns with PQ2 LLC. Call me to discuss your next injection molded plastic resin buy. You'll realize it was a great call. We've been in the plastics business for over 40 years and are thrilled to work closely with world-class customers and best-in-class domestic and global suppliers. You can expect complete transparency through every step of your polymer sourcing process. This year marks my 34th year of officiating basketball in the state of Ohio, and I'm sending my best wishes to you for a safe, successful, and fun year on the hardwoods. Hey, ref. Click on www.pq-2.com. So in the first quarter, uh, we're again, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things this year that we can expect. And uh, Denny, what, what is something that you see pretty much every year that you know, you just know that you're going to get complaints about and, and how do you address those types of issues? Well, one positive going into this season yeah. is there are really no new rule changes. So uh, that's one thing that we don't have to uh, concern ourselves with. Uh, the, the changes that we have deal with uh, head covering for religious purposes, which we've already addressed. Yeah. Uh, we eliminated the uh, punch signal for team control fouls, which we never used here in Ohio anyway. So that's gone. So those are, and then the third issue is a shot clock that we can talk about later, and that's couldn't come into effect till next year anyway. So uh, no no worries with that. The things that we usually get the complaints on, coaches don't send in a video clip saying, oh, I think this should have been a charge, not a block, or they missed a travel here or there. That's not what we get. When we get complaints and things that I'll hear every year is lack of professionalism in some fashion by our officials, whether it's comments they make to players, comments to coaches, comments uh, to administrators, you know, in some some fashion, or, or they get involved with the fans way more than they need to rather than letting the school administrators handle that. So all those things in every variety that you can think of, uh, that's where we, we get the complaints from, and that's where we have issues with officials. Uh, today, everybody has a cell phone. Everyone's recording things, taking video. So you just have to be on your best behavior and really be careful what you say and how you act and what people see because somebody's going to have a, a recording of it and it come back to haunt you. That heat of the moment, you know, we talk about that. I think, you know, a lot of the coaches probably talk about that with their players, about the heat of the moment and, and your feelings at the heat of the moment. What are some tips that you think officials can do or use or um, – put as part of their game to um, to maybe help them try and become a little bit more patient? <laughs> well, it's not easy, and I'd be the first to admit that. I've done this for a long time, and some days it's tougher than others. You know, a lot of it depends on how your day went before you ever got to the gym. But uh, I think, number one, uh, you have to just uh, really try to take a deep breath you know, you know when things are probably going a little sideways. You know when a coach is probably going to be upset over something, whether it's right or wrong, whether he's justified or not. And so I think you have to prepare before you ever get over to him or get in front of him or her and have that discussion. Uh, take a deep breath. Think about what you're going to say. You know, coaches typically, they only have about five or six lines that they always use or questions that they always ask. And so you really should be prepared to deal with them uh, before the situation ever arises. And I think that's that's the biggest thing. And then the second thing is, once it's over, it's oh, you got to let it go, move on. Uh, you got to be very uh, thick skin and have a very short memory. And try anything you can do or help your partner out, get them away from the coach, get the ball back in play. You know, when the clock's running and they're playing. 
There's a lot less complaining that goes on. They don't have time. They got to be worrying about what's going on on the court. So those are the kind of things that uh, I think you can do to help facilitate. And then, you know, if, if, uh, if it's necessary, uh, then you have to take the next step, then, then deal with it and address it. But again, if you do that, assess a technical foul, that's kind of what I'm referring to. And again, you got to move on, get over it, forget it, move on uh, and get back to the game. Great points. Great points. And you talk about communication. We are going to talk about that in our second quarter. Uh, before we do that, though, let's hear a little bit about uh, PQ2 LLC. Hey, ref, objectivity, integrity, and experience, all hallmarks of a quality basketball official. At PQ2 LLC, we bring those traits and an unmatched passion for our customers' successful plastic application by being a one-stop shop for thermoplastic resins. Visit our website at www.pq-2.com. Real needs, practical solutions, and exponential results. PQ2 LLC. So as we mentioned in the second quarter, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about communication and what officials can do to enhance that communication. So normally we uh, we do talk about that in the first half of the podcast with both coaches and players. So we're going to do it on a different level. So let's first talk about coaches. Uh, Denny, what's the biggest fault that you see and what you hear when officials communicate with coaches? Well, I think there's two uh, issues and they're, they're the two extremes and the goal is to find try to be somewhere in between we have some officials that are basically unapproachable uh, from the moment they walk out there they look like they're mad uh, they treat coaches and you very sharply you get very short uh, responses or they just ignore them uh, that type of thing where they they come across as not being approachable that is not a good uh asset to have uh, to use out on the court. The opposite extreme is the official that tries to be the coach's buddy. And you see that they're over there every time trying to explain the call or listen to the coach. They're smiling. Sometimes they got their arm around them. Um, That is also not what we want. Uh, And particularly, uh, you have to think about how does that look to the other coach if he's watching this go on? And particularly if it's a home team coach, uh, you know, the word Homer comes to mind. And so what you really have to strive for is to be approachable, but be professional and not be overly cordial. And because I, you know, someone told me this many, many years ago, um, once the ball goes up for the jump ball, the coach is not your friend and will never be your friend. And I, and I think that's true. And uh, they they have a job to do. You have a job to do, and you have to be be professional about it. But those two extremes you need to avoid. Try to stay in the middle. What about communicating with the players? Now in today's game, you know it seems like um, it just seems like it happens more, especially on TV. You see the the players come up to the officials and talk to them, and so what kind of conversations should happen uh, with the players during the game? Well, I think it's fine, and I would encourage you to. But again, you have to maintain some degree of professionalism with it. You have to be careful what you say to players because, you know, sometimes they'll go right back to the coach and say, well, he told me this or he said that. So you got to watch what you say. But it's certainly fine to talk to them. If they ask a question and it's an appropriate question, then give them an answer. Now, you don't have to conduct a long dialogue with them but try to answer them. And I think, you know, if you can identify whether it's a captain or a key player on each team and try to have a little rapport with them, then if you need something, if, if one of their teammates is acting up in whatever fashion, and you can go to that captain or that key player and say, hey, can you help me out with your buddy number five or ten or whatever his number is? Uh, because if he keeps this up, it's going to hurt your team. And if that guy is as smart as you think he is, if he's your key individual, uh, he can take care of that for you, keeps you out of the situation, makes things go very smooth, and everybody's happy. So that's, that's a way to use them to your benefit 
communicate with them, but I don't have any problem with trying to talk to players as long as it's done professionally and as long as they're respectful about it. Yeah, and, and you know, one thing we learned last year is um, with no fans that fans really are missed. And um, we see, you know, we see some communication with them, I think, uh, sometimes during the games and uh, like maybe giving the basketball to someone prior to the jump ball. Uh, or maybe letting a child hold the ball during a timeout or, or during in between quarters. But is that necessary? What's your thought about that? Is that unnecessary? Um, and maybe your overall thoughts about communicating uh, on a nice level with fans and maybe even uh, communicating at fans who are not so nice. Well, again, I think, you know, if you're in my situation, I've been around a long time. A lot of those people at least peripherally know who I am it's hard just to ignore them. You know, I don't want to, you know, come across as being standoffish. You know, if it's a newer official, uh, sometimes the fans are, you know, they'll, they'll get on them. Uh, and it's, it's a little harder for them to take. Uh, so I think you, you know, it depends on where you're at and what stage in this whole journey that you are, uh, depends on, you know, usually the mouthiest people sit in the front row. Uh, so you just have to kind of expect that. Uh, if you can do something with a, a kid, you know, let him hold the ball or something, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with that either. I mean, it's good rapport. Uh, people will remember that. Uh, it, it shows that there's a human element uh, to, to our side. And, uh, but you just have to, you know, you don't have to do it every time and every game. You got to pick your spots and times and places to do things. And, and, uh, but yeah, you want to come across as being a human and approachable, have feelings. And that's, you know, last year, that's what we, we had no emotion in the games, you know, be, we, there was no atmosphere because there was no fans. Uh, so they do play a big part in the game. Yep. Well, we are going to take a quick break for halftime. Um, the second half, we're, we're going to talk about the points of emphasis uh, for basketball this year. But uh, before we do that, uh, we're going to listen a little bit from Matt Kearns. We'll be right back. Hey ref, this is Matt Kearns and I'm honored and proud that PQ2 LLC is sponsoring my very good friend and former co-official Mark Fralick and the High School Basketball Referee Podcast. I love plastics manufacturing and making things happen in the world of engineering, resin, distribution, and compounding. But come on, there's nothing like game night. A packed gym, the place is rocking, and we leave the floor knowing our crew gave the players and coaches our best, right? I truly hope you enjoy these podcasts and thank you for your continued support of the High School Basketball Referee Podcast and PQ2 LLC. Tonight's tip, nobody came to see us officiate, so make sure the kids are the stars on game night. So all of us probably received the basketball rule book from the NFHS. And if you open that up uh, a couple pages in, you see the uh, basketball rule changes that Denny talked about earlier. The next page over is the uh, basketball points of emphasis. And uh, among those this year uh, are officiating mechanics and signals, timeout administration, unsporting conduct, screening, euro steps, spin moves, and jump stops, legal or illegal. And then there's a couple of reminders um, from from the NFHS. But what I want to talk about today is some of the points of emphasis. So in the third quarter, we're going to hit three of them. And then if you could talk about each one of them, that would be great. So the first one is officiating mechanics and signals. Okay, so I already sort of addressed that a little bit. Yep. My expectation and the OHSA expectation is that we do adhere to the uh, National Federation mechanics and the signals. Uh, really, the only major deviation that we have is when it comes to uh, after we report fouls, we go opposite the table rather than staying table side. Otherwise, we pretty much stick right to the Federation mechanics and uh, 100% with their signals. So I think uh, that's important. Uh, you know, sometimes people get out there and uh, a lot of theatrics uh, that's really not necessary. Uh, just stick with, with just what we have, and it makes it easier for everyone to, to work with you and, and you to work with them. Uh, so that that is a point of emphasis. It has been for several years, and, and uh, we would like to keep that uh, in check and, and follow that. 
Uh, uh, next second, one. Yep. Timeout administration. That's a, that is one that I think is difficult and I really wish the Federation would give us some help on that. What they're referring to there is, uh, currently we allow coaches to call timeouts anytime their team is in possession. Uh, and what happens is when they usually yell timeout is when there's a scramble for the ball, they're trying to save a possession. I get that. But that's also a lot of times when we have bodies on the floor and we're not sure who's got the ball, if anybody's got the ball, it's bouncing around. And, you know, we're supposed to recognize only the head coach calling a timeout. When it comes from the bench area, it could be a coach, it could be a fan, who knows who's yelling. And you really don't want to be uh, diverting your attention from the court uh, over to look at the sideline. So, I think that's a problematic, and uh, for whatever reason, the Federation uh, continues not to really want to address it. Uh, it's nice to say, yeah, you know, don't worry, take care of the court first, and if, if you don't grant the timeout, then don't worry about it, but uh, the coaches don't see it that way. So uh, I think that's one that we could clean up very easily if the Federation would help us out. Yeah, yep, I agree. And uh, the last one then um, for this quarter is unsporting conduct. And boy, that has been, um, you, you see that stuff on TV all the time, don't you? Well, and that's just kind of unfortunately a trend of society today. Uh, and we would certainly uh, do not want any kind of taunting or unsporting behavior. And, and, you know, there's a list of things in the, in the rule book, but that can't cover everything. Again, you have to use common sense and good judgment, but if we're taunting opponents, if we're making uh, unsporting remarks, uh, profanity, any of those types of things, some sort of dis show of displeasure, you know, throat slashes or slamming the ball down or, you know, pick what, what may, uh, we will support addressing that. Uh, there's obviously the guidelines for it. And most of them involve a technical foul, at least to start with. Uh, and then you just have to address it. But uh, I think you have to remember that interscholastic athletics are part of the education system and if you wouldn't tolerate it in a classroom then then you shouldn't tolerate it on the gym floor either well let's uh head to the fourth quarter in a second but first let's hear a little bit about our primary sponsor we'll be right back hey ref the fourth quarter is crunch time with the outcome of the game in the balance a hoops official's greatest assets are experience, knowledge, and game management skills. And when that final buzzer sounds and we return to the locker room for our post-game debrief, we know we've done our best. When it comes to plastic resins, PQ2 LLC brings the same experience, knowledge, and management skills to every client engagement. Our observations are focused, our solutions are practical, and our results are exponential. Check us out at www.pq-2.com to learn how we've earned our stripes. So we've got a couple more here on the uh, Federation's points of emphasis for this season, Denny. One of them is screening, legal screening. So that's always, that's a difficult call or judgment. Uh, it kind of goes along with the charge blocks. Uh, this year on the state online interpretation meeting that will be released in a couple of weeks, I do spend a little bit of time talking about screening, what's legal and what's illegal. And I think the best thing there is you just need to get the rule book out, uh, read through um, the rule, understand what is required to be, have a legal screen, what makes the screen illegal, when is time and distance involved, all those things, read through the casebook plays, and then just try when you go through your scrimmages to apply those things. Uh, the biggest thing is, is when you make that judgment is not to get in a hurry, don't anticipate, let it play out, take a second, digest what you just saw, and then and make your ruling and your judgment on that. Talk a little bit about consistency with screening as well, uh, as far as making the call. Well, certainly you have to be consistent within yourself. You know, what you call is a, a deem a legal screen or an illegal screen. You have to do it both ends of the court. And we'd like to have that consistent among the, uh, the officials. 
uh, on, on that any given night. Uh, that's why I do spend a little time on the on the interpretation meeting. I would like it to be more consistent across the state. But when we have 5,000 officials uh, varying in experience from novice, you know, day one to 40 or 50 years, it's uh, very difficult to get everyone on the same page. Mm-hmm. But it, that would be the goal is to strive to be consistent and apply the rule as it's written. But there is a, certainly a, an element of judgment in there. And, and that's where the, where you, the consistency part comes in. And the last one we uh, that they listed is the ever popular Euro step, the spin moves and the jump stops, and the legality and the illegalness of those. And uh, you know, I know those can be sometimes tough, um, tough to look at and tough to see in in live action. It's easy to slow it down and say, yeah, that was a not not a travel, or yeah, that was a travel. But uh, in a game, talk a little bit about officials and what they should be looking for there. Well, traveling has been a point of emphasis, I think, for many years. Uh, It's probably the most difficult judgment that we have to make night in and night out, uh, even more so than charge block. And the Eurostep has only added another element of difficulty into that that judgment. Although I think if you look at the Eurostep and really break it down, it's no different than the drive to the basket and a layup and the steps that they take to make a layup. And that's usually when they use the Euro step. The difference is the Euro step is more a lateral movement rather than a north-south movement. Uh, but in terms of the rules that pertain to it and traveling, uh, there is no difference. And here again, we'll spend some time on the state online meeting with that. Uh, and the whole key to traveling, whether it's the conventional type, jump stops, uh, the Euro step, any of those things, is number one, you have to be able to identify the pivot. If you, until you can identify the pivot foot, uh, you're just guessing and you're just hoping you're right. So that's what you really need to work on is being able to identify the pivot foot. And then if you do deem it's traveling, you should be able to explain to yourself, to the coach, to whomever, why was it traveling? Not just saying, well, he traveled. That's not a good answer. But what happened? What did they do? Uh, that constituted traveling and violated the rule. And one other thing that I'll put on here for the listeners, at least uh, whoever hears this, that I want to make very clear, and I made it uh, a point of it in the uh, online meeting as well, uh, there is a a rumor around the state that I say uh, don't call traveling. Uh, And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Uh, No one, I don't think, has ever heard me say not to call traveling. What I have said is if you're going to call it, make sure you're right Uh, because we have far too many travels that are called that aren't correct that aren't traveling we punish good moves penalize good moves the euro step or not and then uh and then we have travels that aren't called that should be so we need again here to get our consistency a lot better Uh, but uh let it be on the mark fralick podcast (laughs) says I have never said not to call traveling. If it's warranted, then call it. Maybe I'll just replay that again. Do me a replay. You can. <laughs> Do it a couple times just for emphasis. <laughs> Hey, that's the end of our fourth quarter. We're going to go to the post game. We're going to talk about the shot clock a little bit in the post game. So we'll be right back. Hey, ref. Good game. When a coach or player acknowledge your effort at the end of a contest, it can make the difference between a fun ride home or one where you're questioning every call you made in total silence. In business, it's no different when the customer values your performance and takes the time to let you know. Visit www.pq-2.com forward slash about to read customer testimonials And then call us at 330-888-9448 to discuss your next plastic application needs. Never ride home wondering if you made the right call. So the post game, uh, we begin with the post game. We talk about some of the rule changes. You had mentioned we were going to talk about the shot clock at a later time. Well, this is the time. So effective 22-23 season. 
um, associations in in the states can establish a shot clock. Um, 35 within 35 seconds, I think, uh, is what it is. And some states do have that. I know California does. Um, they love it there from the officials that I talked to uh, from this podcast. Uh, what is Ohio's statement on that? And uh, do you anticipate that coming at all? Well, uh, right now, the statement is uh, to be announced uh, or to, to be determined later. Uh, as the rule says, it really cannot be adopted until the 22-23 uh, season. Uh, so it, it wouldn't go into effect this year anyway. So the OHSA right now is sort of in a, a studying and looking at it and asking. I know a one survey went out uh, uh, earlier this summer after this uh, was adopted. I think uh, a slight more than the majority of the coaches are in favor of the shot clock and a slight more uh, majority of athletic directors are opposed to it. Uh, obviously, the athletic directors are looking at it from the financial impact. Uh, but I think the, the big thing that I look at it from the DOD administrative side, uh, a couple of questions that would have to be answered if we were going to do it in Ohio. Uh, how, what levels would we use it? Obviously, varsity, but how far down do we go? Um, JV, freshman, I, I seriously doubt there would be any interest in junior high. Uh, and then the big concern uh, that I, and I really would like to see how, if some of these states do adopt it, how it goes for them, is the shot clock operator. That's my big concern. Uh, using the shot clock is pretty easy. It's the guy operating that switch. That's much harder than the timer's job uh, because you have to know when to reset, not reset, and how do we train these people uh, and to know that they're going to do a good job without it just becoming another burden on the officials to try to catch mistakes on the shot clock? Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously, you know, TV, they have a replay monitor. We don't have that. So is this just another burden on the officials or will it be something that's really a, a positive for the game? So I think more to be determined on that uh, later. When you look at the rules um, from from the federation and and I guess maybe even in Ohio, uh, what's missing? What what do you think's missing from the rule book that should be added? Well, the one I've already addressed one from the federation standpoint, and that is I would like to uh, only allow coaches to call timeout during live ball, dead balls. I mean, eliminate it during the live ball. I think that is one area, and that would clean things up make it easier for the officials. Uh, I think overall the game's in pretty good shape, but that's one rule that I, I would like to see them address. From the OHSA standpoint, uh, I am still making every effort I can to get the running clock 35-point differential used in regular season games. Uh, I thought I had it achieved uh, until uh, – the 11th hour when they pulled the rug out from under me. So uh, again, we will not be using that this year in regular season games, but uh, I, I feel that uh, having games that are 112 to seven serves no purpose. Uh, and the, the way we address that is to use a running clock. So hopefully uh, I'll one of these days uh, persevere and be able to get that accomplished. Yeah. How about this season? Any predictions? Are we going to get through it without COVID, uh, COVID coming in and disrupting things, or do you think it's going to be one of those years that we continue to have that as an issue? Well, if you want me to switch from my DOD hat to my medical hat, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, COVID is not going to be gone away. As you know, right now we're just uh, sort of in our uh, completing, hopefully, uh, a second surge. I think we'll have COVID all through 2022. And uh, there will be basketball games, I predict, will get canceled, postponed, because teams will come down with COVID. Uh, I don't think that uh, we're anywhere near uh, the end of, the, of this pandemic. And uh, But hopefully we will learn to adjust and that we can play through it. We got through it last year, and I think we'll be able to get through it. But it will impact us. And I'll say now that uh, certainly – uh, we will still uh, permit COVID uh, precautions in terms of uh, if you know that the locker room facilities aren't the best and you want to go dressed, leave right after the game. We still permit that. 
If you want to wear a mask while you're officiating, still permit that. Uh, I'm fine with, you know, no fist bumping the players and all that. Uh, still just strongly discouraged all that. Um, and minimize your contact, maintain, you know, as much distance as you can because we will be back indoors. Uh, we also had the flu season coming on. Mm-hmm. So that that is of concern to me as well. So um, while I try to be a little bit optimistic, uh, no, we will not be back to what once was normal um, this year. Yeah, and you know, we I guess I didn't really think about the flu season because last year we wore masks quite a bit. It wasn't that big of an issue, but this year without wearing the masks, uh, you're right, and, and yourself from a medical standpoint as well, I'm sure that you might even, are you seeing anything like that kicking up at the hospital or not? Uh, we have had some early influenza cases, and uh, traditionally, uh, if you look back, years where they have very low influenza, the following year, has a, a pretty good rebound mm. and that said, you know one thing we proved with the mask is that it really cut down on the transmission of influenza along with uh, the social distancing and the frequent hand washing that mm. was a huge benefit for flu mm. uh, so hopefully people will at least get the flu vaccine those that are still reluctant to get the covid vaccine and maintain the good social uh, practices of hand washing and distancing and that sort of thing uh, and that we can keep the flu uh, flu down this year. But if we have both, another surge of, of COVID and the flu, uh, then we will really have some issues. Yeah. You know, Denny, you've been officiating for over 40 years now. What what do you still enjoy about basketball officiating? Well, it, uh, one, it keeps me in a little bit of shape. It gives me uh, some, gets some exercise in during the winter. But I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's, something i've always done and i've enjoyed it and i don't know what really made why i ever got started you know people say why did you start well because i couldn't play i wasn't very good so officiating was a another avenue to stay involved in sports and i guess that's what keeps me in still doing football as well so uh, and uh, you know again you see a lot of people that you know over all these years interaction uh it's a good opportunity to try to help the younger officials coming along paying forward a little bit because we all know that there's a shortage of officials and try to uh, make it as good as we can for the young ones. That's kind of why I sort of veered off into the DOD side of things uh, and got out a little bit of the officiating just to, to try to do that and see if I could contribute in that way. So um, maybe for a few more years, I'll still try to, to hang with it. Yeah. And you talk about um, helping out the younger officials and, and the younger, um, the, the, uh, the officials that, really are out to improve themselves and this past summer and for the last i don't know how many summers there there has been an officiating camp at capital university and i know you've been a part of that along with a lot of other great officials throughout ohio um for those who don't know where capital university is it's a, it's a university down pretty much downtown columbus over in bexley in the little suburb of bexley and uh, so talk a little bit about that camp and how it's really i i think recommended for officials to attend that yeah, we've had that for probably, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years. It's been quite a while, and I have to give a lot of the credit to Steve Trout. He uh, stepped up with through the Ohio Association of Basketball Officials, and he's really the one that uh, uh, does all the work in organizing it, scheduling it, and putting the crews together. And so it, I believe it's a very beneficial camp uh, in a lot of ways. Number one, it's only a single day, and it's uh, very centrally located. It's economically uh, by far the least expensive of the camps that there are. And uh, so I think that's good. And then uh, it's, it's really designed for officials to come and learn and get better. It's not a tryout camp. You know, they're not looking to, to advance to any other levels. Uh, we may have a, a couple of assigners there that are some of our clinicians, but they, it would only benefit you if they were if you were from their area as far as assigning goes or picking up games. But if, if that happens, then, then that's great. But overall, it's just for training and working on mechanics, particularly uh, getting people familiar with three-person mechanics that may not have much experience with it, and there are those that want to uh, fine-tune their mechanics and uh, it's been very well received. We had record numbers. Now, obviously, last summer we did not have it. Uh, there were no camps anywhere because of COVID. Uh, this year we were able to do it, and uh, we we had a record turnout on both uh, Friday and Saturday. 
and we anticipate and plan to do it again uh, next year. Good. Well, that's the end of post game. We are going to go to a break, and then we're going to come back with five quick decisions, something that Denny did not participate in last time because you were my first guest, and I didn't implement this yet. So it's a little bit of fun, and we'll be curious to see how he answers some of these questions. We'll be right back. Hey, Ref. PQ2 LLC is proud to be the thermoplastic resin company that dares to be different. Call Matt Kearns at 330-888-9448 and ask what makes PQ2 LLC different. Officials cite relationships within the community of basketball officials as a huge reason why we take the floor each game night year after year. PQ2 LLC brings the same passion you have in the locker room to every client relationship we've built over the years. So as I mentioned before, the last time we did this uh, podcast, uh, this was not part of uh, that podcast at the time. We didn't have the five quick decisions. So, you know, I, I lengthened the podcast and uh, added a few things since that time. And so, Denny, let's let's see how you're going to answer some of these things. And we go to the Friday and Saturday night ball games where we normally have some great food uh, provided to us. I got I think I have an idea of where, what you're going to say on this one, but I'm not sure. But what's the best food that you've ever, ever had at a school in your career? Well, I've been to a lot of places and a lot of gyms and uh, facilities, but you know, the best times of the year for uh, feeding, I think, are during the tournaments when they have hospitality rooms. Yes. And the two places in Northwest Ohio that come to mind are Napoleon and Coldwater. And not only do they have good hospitality rooms, they had excellent facilities and always had big crowds and some really great tournament games. So uh, those would be uh, the two places that I would think. I'm not. I'm surprised Finley wasn't on your list. Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> That's uh, that's by appointment only. There, it, uh, they they do uh, up up the deal when I come in. And it's very nice of them, but uh, well, I try to keep that a secret. <laughs> well, follow that one up. There's a lot of great places to stop after a game. You know, we go to a different place uh, every weekend, and and by now, for as many years as we've been doing this, um, you know, there's a, a bunch of great places to stop, cafes, pubs, hometown places. What are some of the best places that you've been to uh, after a ball game? Well, a lot of the places are closed by now after all these years. But uh, yeah. you know, going way, way back, if there's any old-timers listening, we used to always meet at, after the games at the Casaluau in Lima, and that just closed this summer. But that was, it didn't matter where you went for a game, you came to the Casaluau. Now, uh, in the more modern times, uh, that didn't happen as much, but uh, still one of my favorite places to go is Joe and Jean's Town Tavern in the uh, metropolis of Chickasaw, <laughs> a suburb of Maria Stein down in Mercer County. Uh, and the, the reason I like going in there is because once the game is over, uh, everybody is your friend. You know, they, they forget about the game. Uh, and it, it's just a, a wonderful place to go, and people are really nice. But I found a new place uh, in the last couple of years, and that's the Carriott in Ottawa. And uh, that's uh, when I'm up in Putnam County, that, uh, that's a great place to go, too. So a lot of fun places, uh, and they're all little pubs and nothing particularly fancy or fine dining. But uh, <laughs> So um, <laughs> who has the better officials northeast or northwest i had to throw that in because ken rockhold i asked him the same question and he's over in northeast and i know you two joke around a lot at state tournaments so i'm, I'm asking you the question who has the better officials <laughs> well so the, that question comes up is, is ken rockhold has been involved with officiating and assigning for many many years more than he was even when i was in cleveland 40 years ago he was involved and he's worked with the state tournament before I became DOD. So we, we work a lot together during those two weekends at the state tournament. And he's from Medina. And, and so there is some natural rivalry between us over who, who has the best officials at state. And it changes from year to year. But like this year, we got uh, kind of uh, shown up by the Central District with that crew that came in and did that girls division one final uh, just did an outstanding job. So we have some very good officials throughout the state. Yep. And. So I'll, I'll, I'll be kind to Ken and just say that uh, 
we just keep working at it and we all have we all bring some good officials down to Columbus. <laughs> you are very kind, yes. <laughs> uh, what do you think is the most misunderstood rule by fans and coaches? Uh, over and back, yeah. by far. Uh, that one, it's been, it's not, it hasn't changed since I started 45 years ago. But uh, it's still, it's, it's difficult to understand. It's poorly, it's not very well worded in the rule book to begin with. And then fans just have no concept of what's over and back and what isn't and when it's in play and when it isn't. Coaches don't understand it much better either. So in what, you said 45 years, um, I'm sure you've had a lot of stories to tell and uh, a lot of humorous things going on in your career. Can you recall maybe the funniest thing that a player, coach, or a fan ever said? Oh, they, you know, any line that you've heard uh, has been used on me more than once, uh, sometimes with rather colorful adjectives and, as well. Uh, but I've been told, you know, don't give up your day job. I've been told, you know, I, I'm so old that they used to say, uh, you know, don't you have a pee in your whistle? That's when we used to have peas in the whistle. Um, so, uh, but I think, you know, a, a couple people would tell you the funniest thing was we were at a school, I won't say, uh, what school it was but it was one of the two that i mentioned that had the really good eating <laughs> tournament and the night that i walked in there was a fan that was heckling me and he threatened that he was going to be outside waiting on me and uh i had a hairbrush that's when i had hair uh and uh, I, I had that in my hand when i walked out and I, I, he would have had to get the first punch in or he was going to get smacked upside the head with that brush <laughs> but he wasn't out there so nothing happened <laughs> Well, good. That's uh, that's great. Uh, uh, it's always great to have a familiar person um, on the show, and, and I'm I'm very glad that you're able to come on here and and not only hopefully benefit the officials in Ohio, but also benefit uh, all the officials that listened um, with some some really good words of wisdom. So thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me and everything you've done. These have been great podcasts, and I think they're interesting to the people that listen to them and uh, around the state and uh, we just try to keep improving and make officiating better and just keep in mind who we're doing it for and that's our uh, student athletes in ohio and the youth of uh, our communities and uh, i appreciate everything that you've done and all of our officials uh, their time and their commitment because uh, we all know you're not making any money at it so uh, it's, it's, it's a voluntary job basically and uh, i appreciate that and that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile. And God bless. <laughs>